0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.
1: Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more, plus... Keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a
2: one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and we're in the pub, our own pubs, our own virtual pubs. I've got my bottle of wine, Laney's got some beers there and the Allard's got, I don't know what, he had some medicines or stuff last time, but I'm sure he's off that now. But it's all good because we're still here together in a virtual way celebrating Bees Week. We had a bit of an upsy-turvy, tipsy-turvy, upsy-downsy week. Molyneux. Saturday we went up there played Wolves and we lost three one a little bit unfortunate but that's the way it goes. Then Tuesday night, Reading at home they came to us and bing bang bash bosh four one the bees absolutely trounced them it was fantastic. So um we're actually in quite a good position at the moment as we speak now we're uh, I think it's maybe we're in fourth position. Three points off automatic place apparently Newcastle are drawing one all with with uh, Norwich. So I'm not sure. that. I think that might still keep us in fourth place for now, which is all good. But that's not a problem. If they, if they win, we'll drop to fifth place. So in my virtual pub this week, I've got me the mates. It's a little smaller caucus of us today. I'm Billy Grant, and I'm here with Mr. Dave Lane. How are you?
3: I'm very well, Bill. Very well in my little virtual world. In my uh, yeah, back, back, at, back at home tonight um, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of missing, I'm missing the real pub vibe but uh, yeah. yeah I, I think uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll re- 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 regroup and go again for next week
2: we do we've got a lot of ideas for next week as well but we had just so much on this week we just had to sort of do it in our own space what, 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 I'm just wondering because it's quite like the old school days actually remember we used to sort of sit there we used to sort of kind of discuss what each of us are drinking I'm, what, what are you drinking at the moment now?
3: Me, I'm drinking a glass of white wine. Funny enough, oh, sounds okay. a bit, bit, bit poncy, but no, there you go. No, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I've got I've got a glass of got a glass of Pinot
2: Noir actually myself.
3: You know, yeah. it's the only thing I can find in the fridge. If I'm honest with you, back <laughs> 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 in
2: like like the student days. That's right. <laughs> so, and also we've got the Allard in there
0: as well. The Allard, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's um, it's 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 quite it's quite relaxing, isn't it? It's quite chilled to see us sitting in um, fourth position. Um. I'm sort of, you know, almost pinching myself in some respects.
2: That's right. Well, keep pinching away. Keep pinching. What are you drinking, the yellow? Uh, moonshine again. Oh, moonshine, okay. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. It's like moonshine Moonshine month for you, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As you see.
2: That's right. Lovely and clear. So anyway, but look. We, we do, and we also, we, we have to talk... Got, Liberal Nick almost joined us uh, today. Um, he was actually going to join us from Hungary, but he had a few problems because apparently he's in some room somewhere with a door barricaded as a bunch of neo-Nazis are trying to break in to try and... Uh, you know, they're, they're all shouting, Liberal Nick, you must get Liberal Nick, apparently. If you think we're joking, it's actually <laughs> completely true.
3: So he's I will, a bit... I, will, I wish them well with that.
2: <laughs> he's sweating at the moment now, so... Uh, They've obviously heard about his lambasting of uh, Harley Dean and Dean Smith, and and I hasten to say that this has nothing to do with the the neo-Nazi. The the neo-Nazi thing is happening, and that was just the in-joke that I threw into place as well before anyone starts to email in and say that we're actually uh, accusing people of things anyway. But anyway, things to talk about today. We're going to talk about those two matches. Absolutely TV tremendous overall. And there's a few other issues we want to talk about. we probably talk about um, the England manager job because uh, he's actually the most successful England manager ever. In, ever. So uh, maybe he might want to job down at QPR or something like that. And also Derby County doesn't seem to be going down too well down there as well. And obviously on Saturday we've got Wigan coming down. We need to go what's going down there. But before we do that, let's go to the terraces and the pubs and the streets of Wolverhampton and Brentford because Wolves and Reading were in town or out of town. And we hear what the fans had to say in the pubs and on the terraces and on the streets and the trains after the game.
4: Today looked like two mid-table championship teams battling it out and the game could have gone either way. It was encouraging to see that after Wolves went 2-1 up, Brentford did really go for the second goal and we were caught on the break for the third goal for the third uh, Wolverhampton 1-1 goal I mean, you know, we were due an uh, off day, we were, we're not going to win every game 5-0 we're not going to loo- We're not going to win away 2-0 like we did at Brighton every time we go away I mean, you know, this was a, a reasonable performance from, from Brentford FC uh, I hope uh, Josh McCrackley isn't too sadly injured, although it was interesting to note that when Unaris came on we did look a more compact unit That's a 0-0 game now four goals has come out of that game, I will never, ever know. And the second goal they scored, referee, an appalling decision. It was just a, it was just a tackle between two players. And I was a couple of people said, Bentley, Bentley mistake. No, it's a good free kick, it a good but free kick, it? it should never have been given in a million years. Absolute nonsense. One
2: of those things will bounce back. I mean, did you think you were actually going to get a result out of it after the first half? Oh, yes, oh, yeah. because we, we,
4: knew, we knew we were building.
3: On That's the sure first half, we slow starters, slow
4: starters, and, and
3: then we build.
0: We're slow starters as we well, never, actually. We
3: never start. We never score two or three in the first ten minutes.
0: Yeah, it's disappointing. First half, I thought it was quite even, but second half, I think uh, we lost the game. Um, didn't pressurise them enough. Made, made errors. We had that little sort of ten, fifteen minute spell where we probably we got the goal back out of nothing. I think Inaris uh, played the ball into Kaikai, Kai, who slammed the ball in the back of the net, and we created. Probably two or three chances where we should have put more pressure on their keeper. They've got that sort of look of
3: another Villa, another Newcastle, sort of the big old old school team where their fans probably expect better than what they are, what the level they're at. Um, the refs sort of gave them, from what I saw, help with the first two goals. The third goal, they got their break away when we were pushing. We have sort of had stepped up in the second half, were, were pushing for the equaliser, and they got a little bit of a lucky break. But yeah, I think the first two goals, the refs sort of gave them a little bit of help. Their fans were a little bit on top of them I mean the sort of 600 of us that travelled were good support until the little West Ham sort of moment but yeah, no, I thought it was uh, a little bit undeserved but a win, no I think we had a good chance in the first half but we were probably, up until the first goal deserved a point Yeah, excellent
5: going forward I um, thought sat back a little bit deep to start with but pretty part of the tactic catch them on the break and once we got ahead, you know, some of those good skills coming out Very dangerous players, very exciting players, and very impressive performance against what's probably quite a decent team. We made them look pretty average.
1: Yeah, Brent played very well. First half was quite Bretton had a lot of the midfield players
4: the second half, but Brent, Brentford had the finishing touches. A very good all-round performance that from Brentford today. So much better than on Saturday. And 10 goals in the last two games at Griffin Park. Certainly value for money. Any players out there that just took your fancy? You thought that the absolute business? Uh, Josh Clark,
5: because I wasn't expecting that level of performance. I thought he did a really well. Great goal, but I think he played well throughout front, back and the speed he showed in times. Really worried, Reading. I think having a player like that on the pitch, you can see why we play him uh, out wide ahead of somebody else because he just gives you a balance, gives you speed, and he can defend as well when needed.
3: I think it was just uh, just weren't well, the races at the back really. Just too, I think the times were too obsessed with keeping the ball, and then they just. Don't keep the ball, and I don't know, it just seems to be. A, a, no one has an idea of. There's no real plan at the back, I think, for getting the ball out, really. No one seemed to be.
2: Basically passing the rule around.
3: You pass the rule around a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's um, all right once it gets up this pitch, that's fine. But like at the back, when you're starting, it was just like. You couldn't get it out, so then it just gives it back to you guys. You guys
1: hit us, score, goal, easy.
2: We're, we're 10 games into the season now. He's got a
0: squad, it's his squad. The, the, the players that have come in are players he recognises, and I'm sure that's just a coincidence, and the stats model has helped pick those as well. But they are his players, he knows them, he's had time to get used to the lads that he's inherited. And he's just picking players for games. Uh,
5: I'm sorry, I'm just lost on the game. You're absolutely gobs, no, mate, I am, yeah. because I did, I did not see that
2: coming
3: tonight given the challenges it presented us post-Wolves.
5: After the QPR game, I pretty much had it with Dean Smith. When we played with no strikers, for me, he'd had it. And and obviously, we had that great run at the end of the season. And today, I was shouting, Dino, Dino. I thought the team he put out today. I really liked the way he set it up as soon as I saw it thought he got his spot on, two up front VBay and Hogan, he knew they were trying to play out from the back and Hogan and VBay stopped them the whole time just harassing them but every one of our players was absolutely fantastic, Reading are a really good team you know, they're playing some really good football, they looked like the first round which I thought they were the, probably the better technically but our lads just never stopped working, our first two goals are brilliant all our goals were great I just thought he set the team up brilliant with that two up front, and I thought all of them worked their socks off. It made me very proud to be supported. One thing I'll say, just for your listeners,
4: yes, atmosphere, yeah. very, very questionable now at Griffin yeah, Park. Yeah, we, we, noticeable, very noticeable. You're always going to get, you know, Redmond have got 1,600 here, and to, to be honest, it, it was like... We were, they, they were like we were away. you know I mean? They're singing the same songs and everything, and they're cheering their team on even when they're losing. And, you know, I'm not one for, oh, they outsung us or anything like that, but, you know, what would it take to get the atmosphere going there? I don't know whether it's the team or the fans or we're feeding off each other, but it's really noticeable that there's nine and a half thousand in there, you know, with a good away following. If that was in League One, the place would be bouncing and the atmosphere would be electric. In there tonight, it felt like a League One game with about 5,500. i thousand. I'm saying to someone in there, if you, if, you had a, if you had a magic wand, you'd say, give us eight cornerback, wouldn't you? Give us eight cornerback for something like that. Yeah. With, with
2: and, and for people out there, sorry, eight corner is a corner which is very yeah. close to the away end on the New Road side.
4: The bottom bit of New Road by the away fans, which were after, after the Royal Oak went was, and after Terracing went in a new road, that, that was where you went. That was where you went. And even up until the late 90s, it was bouncing in there at times. It really was. I'll, obviously, I'll cry my eyes out moving from Griffin Park, but Christ almighty, I'd run to Lionel Road if the atmosphere was any better than, than what we get at the moment.
2: So, overall, actually, you've got to be happy with that. You know, Wolves... We lost 3-1, but as you heard the fans say there, you know, it's just one of those things, you know. You, you know, you, the train kind of gets to the end of the track and then it has to stop. Really bad analogy there, but that will do. And then, then Reading is a proper bounce-back zone, that was. We absolutely bounced back against Reading. And they were reeling, reeling so badly, we actually couldn't find any Reading fans to talk to after the game because I think by the time we actually got out the ground, all the Reading fans, all 1,600 of them, were back in Reading. Which is a bit of shame, but never mind. But guys, listen, these two games. Let's just talk about those two games. Wolverhampton Wanderers,
0: bit of a gutter, was not it, Matt? Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was just it was one of those games where I just didn't feel we quite had the balance right. And um, and I know I've said it, and you know about about Josh um, McCracken and 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 I know I've said it before about him and Woods playing together and. And I think it kind of, you know, it, it, it reinforced my feeling on that, that, that although we what we've seen from Josh in the, when he's come on as substitute, and I do get why Dean Smith put him in, because he's been coming on a substitute and he's been sort of, you know, he's he's got into the games, albeit when we've been already leading and stuff like that. I kind of, you know, so maybe he wasn't next in line. Um, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, maybe Yanaris can't get through as many games at the moment or, or um, or you know, it was, it, the idea was to give him some sort of a rest and um but it it just doesn't for, for me, I think it just doesn't work um i it'd have be been fascinating actually if if Macker had got the nod at wolves and played alongside woods. And to have seen whether that would have, you know, made a difference to the game—that that was kind of my overall feeling about it. So I'm not blaming individuals, but it's just, you know, I, for me, football is a lot about getting the balance right.
2: Mm. And it's interesting. I mean, the um, um, he went off injured after. Well, he gave the, basically gave the ball away for the first goal, and he went down. They scored the goal, and he got stretched off. And we thought, oh, that looks quite bad. And we actually thought he's probably out for two months.
0: And I was actually very surprised to see him on the bench on Tuesday <laughs> night. Um. Well, and to come on as well. Um. So yes. Um. Uh. <laughs> you do start to wonder. I'm. I'm sure he went down with. You know. He was. He was feeling it. A bad injury, rather than reacting to having just um giving the ball away and and um and uh, and wall scoring from it. Um. But but yeah yeah. I know. I was very surprised to see him back. I kind of thought. You know. And and also to see McLeod on the bench as well because he looked like he was struggling towards the end of the game. Um. Uh. But 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 overall, I kind of. It's kind of been, it's interesting if we're just going to quickly move on, is that I, I suddenly realised that what I have taken from the last two games is although Saturday didn't go as planned, we're still in fourth place, which is, or you know, or fifth maybe by the end of this evening. But one of the, you know, one of the great things is is that although I'm not saying we've got a, a an incredibly um, depth in strength, we've definitely got an element of depth in strength that we can see because I think we made f- five changes for for um tuesday and um and we played with a lot more for me uh you know we, we we went into the game you know you know a lot a lot um harder quicker you know just just looked a lot more up for it than we did on and i know up for it's a strange you know you know it's a word i normally avoid but um or a phrase i normally avoid but we look we, we just seemed to be ready to go on tuesday night and maybe that was to some extent the reaction from saturday or maybe it was the um you know the changes in the team I think, I think um, they, they look like uh, a close-knit
3: squad. I think that's something that Dean Smith certainly seems to have, uh, you know, um, been able to sort of get out of these players now. They, they seem to be sort of all for one and one for all. And when players come in now, they're not, they're not sort of looking like strangers, especially last night when he changed up the system. Um, uh, you know, it, they cope with that really well. They 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 didn't panic and they didn't look like they were lost. They they just like literally did what was required of them, um, and they they followed they followed the instructions pretty much to the
0: letter. I would say. I I just do you know what that is an interesting one is I I listened to it and a lot of people said how we played two up front but I thought we played the same as normal, and Viba just played in the hole behind Hogan that. That we've seen, you know, McLeod has played in to some extent. Um, Sawyer's has played in, and um, but I think we, he was given more of an opportunity to probably mostly to support um, Hogan in, um, you know, in stopping them playing the ball out. So I kind of get that. But well, for me, the, I think I think we saw a partnership though, didn't
3: they? They they, they seem to be a tele, tele, telepathy between the pair of them.
0: They certainly linked up well, and and Viva played in that role for the whole game, whereas the swapping over was between Sawyers and Clark, whereas previously we've seen Sawyers play in the middle, then swap with McLeod, who's gone in the middle, and stuff like that. Um, but I thought it worked brilliantly. And actually, I think we did we did a similar thing with Viva against Villa. Um, he came on with 10, 15 minutes left, and he play, and he went into that position there. So, yeah, maybe a little bit more advanced. but um, but and, and I think we get the best out of Viva. I really believe he has to be involved in the game. Not stuck out wide, you know. This is this I, for me. I think we've been that is the, the the way to get the best out of him. Certainly when you've got a centre forward like Hogan who's going to play ahead of him.
3: This what I'm going to say next might sound a little odd, but um, I think maybe as well the Wolves game showed sometimes it's actually okay to lose if you get a reaction. Um, I, I, I you know, look at look at. Um, uh, Aston Villa at the moment. They're not. They're not in the habit of losing, but they're not. They're not in the habit of winning. Draws don't really do you any favors over the course of a season. It's better to. It's better to win three and lose one, then win three and and lose one, than it is to have this. You know, a, a ridiculous sequence of unbeaten. Uh, but, you know, it's good. It's a good habit yeah. to get into, not not losing. But you know, if you if you can take defeat and you can learn from it, and then you can regroup and go again and put the kind of performance in we did, you know, against Reading, I, there's, there's no real harm. It's obviously you don't feel great walking away from the ground and 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 all of that. It's better to come away with a point than none. But I, I think over the course of a season, um, you know. A two or three wins and a defeat is more valuable to you than, you know, a sequence of draws.
0: Yeah. I, I, I thought that we, as I said already, we came, you know, we went straight at them on um, Tuesday night. And, and it's a good point you make is that if we'd have got a draw at Wolves, you know, especially a draw, if we'd have got back to two, all, it has felt more like a, you know, more like a win in some respects, but only one point. Would we have gone as hard last night? And and Reading weren't a bad side last night. You know, they hit the post twice, and you know there, there, there are times when that game could have maybe gone slightly differently. Just interesting as well, because in the
2: close or in the summer, you know, we we, we desperately, desperately, desperately wanted a winger because we need to get some pace in the side, and we need to change things up again, um, which is quite interesting as well because we will come to Josh Clark in a minute. It's a separate issue, but Sully Kaikai, how do you think that he's fared so tough tar- I mean, he's not played loads of games for the bees, but he's played enough for us to see him. What do you think about the Sully Kai Kai?
3: I was expecting him to come in and just be given that position. I'll be honest with you. I'd, um, we needed a winger and we needed width so badly. It seemed at that time that you know I, I just assumed that he was coming here and he would be a, a, one of the first names on, on the on the uh, on the team sheet. So, and again, you know. His arrival seems to have, have uh, given Josh Clark a, a, you know, a shot in the arm as well. And I, I, Josh Clark's performance last night was 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 exceptional for a young kid. You know, obviously there's there's more more to come yeah. from him. Um, but he, he literally covered every blade of grass. And I know I know Alan McCormack was was up there for player of you know, man of the match because he literally gave every last. Ounce of energy that he had, but um, I I couldn't see, I couldn't see what Josh Clark did wrong. You know, sometimes he gave the, you know, he's guilty of giving the ball away. Sometimes he's guilty of being slightly predictable, but, you know, that's because he's learning in a very, very tough league. But, you know, he took his goal well. He made a couple of last-ditch tackles, and he cover, he, he mopped up at the back, and he again. I said I've used the word telepathy once before, but he he knew when when the defenders were pushing up, and even Harley Dean was was pushing pushing along the wing a couple of times last night. He would kind of like you know pass him as he was as he was coming across the halfway line just to just to kind of negate any threat on the break and. Well, you to know, cover him, he covered him
2: defence massively.
3: Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, you know, but it, that was that was kind of like I guess that's arranged. But you know, he, he's gone from one corner of the pitch back to you know he went from you know right down by the the corner flag on the right wing, and then he he was making a last ditch tackle at, at left back. Um, you know, and otherwise the guy was through on goal, and I know I I, I you know literally. Oh, I couldn't stop clapping, you know, it was just kind of like brilliant, wow, you know, where did he find that from? So maybe, maybe Kai Kai's arrivals, giving him, a, yeah. give it him a kind of a G up as well.
2: It's interesting, I mean, talking about Josh Clark as well, we're talking about development of this young kid. Um, the fact is that we remember Josh Clark when he made his debut for Brentford, which was down at Derby. In in the Uwe Rosler days, you know, which is you know that's probably about for us about four or five managers ago now, you know. So it's the Uwe Rosler days when we went to Derby. We put out a a very 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 weakened side in which Josh Clark was one of the players. He was on the wing. Um, The whole team was pretty awful. Um, He was pretty awful as well. But remember, everyone said to me he's a very 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 fast player. Now it's interesting because that was his debut for Brentford, but it's kind of taken him to to now. To actually almost like start to find his feet, which is what that's, that's at least four, possibly is that four
0: years, isn't it? Must be man. Yeah. He's very young though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's. I think the other thing about him is that he 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 has started to find his feet. I'm still wondering if he's a right back or is he is he going to be a more attacking player than the, the, you know you know than a right back. Um, at, at the moment, obviously, you know, Maxim Collins well ahead of him at right back, but he's an option if we get an injury. Um, I, I, I think that we were using him, and I, I didn't. I didn't look at this, but but you know you're right about him chasing him back and winning the ball at left back. So I'm guessing we probably were using him for corners and holding him. You know, using him as a defensive player when we when we were attacking um, when we during our corners because of the pace he's got and um, and the fact he can tackle and he can defend. Um, so yeah, really really useful. And and there's no doubt to me that him and Kai Kai, one of them has to play. In you know in in every game it will be fascinating actually if we if we if we play with both of them at some point um, because because otherwise you do get sort of a little bit I I I feel you get a bit stuck if you go Sawyer's Vieber and um, and McLeod behind um, you know you know you just don't quite have that sort of little bit of you know whether it's a little bit of youthfulness or that little bit of um, you know running at players and and keeping the ball moving and stuff like that so um, yeah he's a real he's I'm, I'm he's really coming on. Um, I'm still not quite sure where he ends up. If you know what I mean, in terms of where you know where he plays. I've
2: got to ask a question as well. Obviously, we played Reading, and we had one of our old players playing for them, John Swift.
0: Discuss. Um, for, I, do you know what I? I sort of saw him out there, and um, and every now and then he, I was aware of him. But I, I, if if I'm brutally honest with you, I, I it's strange. Sometimes you you see an ex-player and you spend the whole game watching him, but. But I really didn't see much of Swift, and and maybe that was a testament to how well we played. I don't know, but um, I, I yeah, he disappeared out of the game as f- from my perspective. Um, but you know, I, I I wasn't in the end. I just wasn't looking out for him.
3: I, th- I thought he um, was really average. Um, I, I expected him to be a, a bit better. I know he's played centre mid for them. A lot, he got a lot of the ball early on in the game. A lot of, most most of the most of the um, passing kind of went through him. Um, he he made space for himself. His his final ball and his shooting was was woeful. He got, he got dog's abuse last night from Ealing Road uh, Singers. Um, I'm not quite. Sure. I'm not quite sure he deserved that, that amount of grief, but um, you know, uh, you know, he, he was. He, he there was some. Uh, if, you, if you look at the uh, the video that's just gone live, the besotted video from last night, you'll hear a few choice words, a few few choice songs um, directed at him. Um, so yeah, I think I think Reading fans have seen a, a better John Swift so far this this season. Um, there's a there was a couple that had his name on their back, so um, he's obviously doing something right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I maybe he was trying too hard to to impress back at back at Brentford, but he, he had a bit of a stinker last night, which was. Good for us.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, obviously, uh, Reading and I speak to Reading fans a lot. You know, really good mates of ours, the Tyler's and crew, and that, and uh, they really rate him. They think he's really good. And and I wrote an article for Reading about, you know, just like John Swift, trying to give a balanced view from both sides and saying a little bit of grief that he got from Brentford, and also, you know, the negatives of Swift as well as the positives. But also, I said to him that the, the coaching staff down here really rated him and we really really tried to get him. But unfortunately, it wasn't the fee, but it was actually the, the wages that his uh, agent was asking, which was absolutely ridiculously astronomical which was like over Andre Gray and everybody else's wages that you know that we could have offered to actually make him stay here so there's no way that John Swift was actually ever going to stay at Brentford anyway but that's that's the thing but so it's interesting to sort of see him come back and what I would say is also is like you know when we play these games you beat Reading 4-1 you beat these other teams 5-0 and you get these teams go oh we were awful we were terrible we weren't at our game but you know, is it a case that they weren't at their game or is it a case that you've got to give Brentford credit for setting themselves up in such a way to not enable them to play the game? Because you could see they could play football and you could see that, if, you know, with other teams, they probably would have passed them around, passed them off the park, bang, got a ball in the back of the net. They came to us with a pretty, pretty tasty record. I mean, they hadn't lost in eight games, you know, and most of those games they'd won. So they, they, they're they doing something right, but they came to Brentford and they tried, you know, they they didn't malfunction. It's just that for me... They, you know, they, they were a bit unlucky on a couple of chances, but in general, we didn't allow them to do what we wanted to do. And the thing I'm going to come back to there is that, you know, we laugh about um, your plan A, B, C's and D's, and talking about various, you know, stages in our lives and stuff like that. And even Dean Smith came under a lot of grief again last season because we didn't seem to have a plan A, never mind a plan B at, at certain stages. But we said, give him a bit of time. But all of a sudden, we've come out today and we've. Last yesterday, we seem to have done something different than we've done before. The way that we dealt with with Reading, or it seems that like we we treat different teams differently, and uh, sometimes it may work, sometimes it might not. Like Wolves probably didn't work so much, so but this time with Reading, we treated them differently. The way we dealt with them different, we we set ourselves up. I mean, I know Matt said sort of to a certain extent the same, but but no, because we we dealt with them differently to a certain extent and they passed the ball around and did their thing and then we just hit them
0: didn't we Matt um, yeah I I think scoring the first goal is all important and um, and um, I know we got we got a goal back against Villa but that, but that but that generally for me is the important thing so um, if we'd have scored first at Wolves it may have played out in a similar way if, if Redden had scored from the the header that hit the post maybe that would have you know because, because I do think we we're a team that like to you know, to some extent, soak up some pressure. I mean, to be honest, I looked at the stats last night, and and sixty three percent possession for Reading. I didn't think it felt like that at all, especially the first half. Yeah. I thought we bossed the first half for the first thirty minutes, and they sort of came into it towards the end of it. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, no, I still I, I still think it's getting the first goal. I think I think really the game doesn't set in settle into a particular pattern until the first goal and um, if we score it we are we're we're well on our way if the other team scores it we're still struggling a little bit
3: i kind of mirror that but um i'll 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 say we we're kind of fortunate that both preston and reading didn't score the first goals both both teams started brightly and they, they they looked decent early on in both of those games but what i say is um i think the fitness levels and the stamina it's clearly, clearly improving. We seem to be finishing stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, and Reading looks, although they were going through the motions, we if the game had gone on another 15, 20 minutes, it looked like our players were up for it, um, and we would have just, we would have scored another five goals, I think. And the same with Preston. Both, both Reading and Preston were were crying out for that final whistle to, to 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 sound because they knew that if the games went on any longer, it was going to get humiliating for them. And uh, you know, we we did say early on in the season how we were worried about the fitness levels and why why we hadn't hit the ground running. But you know, we we seem to be ramping it up now. Um, so I'm you know, I still wish we hadn't lost to Rotherham, and I think you know, and I think the, the fitness levels you know that were lacking at say Huddersfield. You know, we we might have got a draw there, but I think it's clear that it's it's all gelling at the moment, and um, I'm really looking forward to Wigan. Um, I- interesting
2: as well. Um, I was just reading today because obviously um, fans may or may not know, but we um, we're very interested in the B team, as you know, because obviously it's 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 the potential. Pl- we, we can't afford to go out and buy 15 million pound players, so we're very very interested. Brentford fans, are interested in players that are coming through, and the B team we think has given a bit of focus on uh, developing players and bringing them through and and speaking to the coaching staff as well. They're very, very happy with the the progress of the B team. They think that it's going sort of to schedule if not ahead of schedule and the way that it's all coming together the players are coming together and, and they're actually seeing a clear path through for some of the players potentially coming into the A team as well they're saying that there's a clear plan where it's sort of two or three or four of them actually train with the A team travel with the A team just do things so they're actually getting them prepared and ready which I think is really interesting now today um, the B team play QPR and they beat them 3-0 um, great result, apparently the same team pretty much of the academy team last year played the same QPR team and they drew them nil all, so Fleming Peterson was saying that he was so happy, he could see the advance in from last year to this year it's so much better, so much more focused, so much more playing together, looking together as a team, also the other thing is that interestingly we were 3-0 up at half time, but what the team decided to do, they carried on and they just carried on with this high tempo, high passing game, high tempo game, after half time um, now, if anyone's interesting as to because we were also saying, oh God, Brentford—they sit back, you know. We went sort of three nil up against what was it Preston or whatever, like that. We start to sit back and let them come at us. We're thinking, well, you know, why do we do that? Why do we go for it? You know, the teams that we had before, and you know, we'd be three nil up and then we'd go for it again. But obviously, the team has got a strategy throughout the whole of the side from the youth team players all the way through. And Peterson said, you know, he said to the team, if this were a first team match and you were three nil up. I would have told you to take it a little easier in the second half and let the other team have a ball a little more, and then you can counter attack them. But he didn't do it for the B team because he wants to develop them, so they just carried on attacking and just sort of kind of just getting themselves fitter and just just playing that type of game. But what I'm just saying was quite interestingly, that is kind of seems to be Brentford's uh, way of uh, of playing. Whereas if we're hammering somebody in the, in, the, in the first half or beat them in the first half, we let them come at us on the second half because we're obviously so confident with our defence. There, we will
0: believe that we can soak it up and then hit them on the attack. Matt. Yeah, I mean that 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 makes sense and it kind of backs up, you know, what my general feeling that they're getting that first goal is all important. Um, you know, we if you think of we're, we're, we're not the sort of team that scores when you know breaks teams down particularly well. Um, I know we've improved slightly from set pieces and stuff like that, um, but nevertheless, um, when there's space out there. You know, you give him you, you, you give Hogan a ball for him to run onto or or somebody from behind to, you know, to pick up, you know, a ball behind Hogan, um, like whether it's Fever or, 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 you know, I'm sure at some point Sawyers and Clark and that. Um there you know, that's our that, that that's our strength. So but yeah, interesting your comments because I kinda of get the other the other idea of well let's just keep attacking and let's keep developing as, as as players rather than have a game plan which maybe you would see in the first team.
3: Yeah, I guess it's not essential that they win. It's, it, it's you know the, the actual result is is less important than the development. Obviously, again, it's getting that winning ethos that runs through your club. You know that, that again, I can see the benefit of that too. Um, but I'm I really, I, I am. There's something, it's something different about. I mean, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. There is something definitely different about having a B team rather than a development team. There's a there's a clear link to the first thing. Um, and i'm I'm gonna try where possible to go and see him a little bit more just so I can sort of and you know, I, I I get more of a, a more more of a sort of a detailed appraisal of, of some of these players and uh, and as they come through it was great it was great to see uh, um, Chatsy on the on the bench um, and I, I, again, I'm, I reckon I could get quite excited by a couple of these players because there clearly, there clearly is talent there, and there's, there's clearly a path into the first team. Hope, hopefully, it's later on this season if, if called upon, but if not, next year um, or the year after. So you know, there's, there's some real, real talent there. So. Um, yeah, it's always good that they beat Rangers at any level as well.
2: It is. And and the last point I just want to talk about, about the game yesterday, which is brought up, if you listen to the post-match podcast, so we've got a little pieces of it beforehand, and you hear the fans talking about it as well. But one fan mentioned about the atmosphere, and it's, it's been a bit of a moot point. We've talked about it on and off, you know, for, for, for a matter of time, and he just said to me, look, you know, it's a night game. You know, there's like 10,000 fans, 1,600, you know, Reading fans who are singing away and he goes the atmosphere just isn't the same as it was before and what can we do to sort the atmosphere out and we just discussed it a little bit on the podcast but I think that this is something which you know I actually agree with him wholeheartedly and maybe people have been at the Brentford for two or three or four or five or even eight years might think actually it's not that bad but you know we know times and we're not trying to sound like old fogies where I'm not being funny the place is rocking with three four five thousand fans and you know what can we do to actually get that quality? Walk us back to try and bring these people together to actually get behind this and get some togetherness together as a noise and I'm just thinking that, you know, we could chat about it a little bit now, but we want to actually, for me, I think that, you know, we were going to talk about um, songs. We've got a whole lot of songs and songs we used to sing on the terraces together, which is a bit of the atmosphere thing, which we postponed from last week. We're going to put it on this week. But we think we're actually going to pass that on to next week. But also we're going to start talking about atmosphere. And we're also going to call up our little atmosphere expert, Ali Mulally, who is due on the podcast very soon. And I know that she'd be loving to talk about atmosphere because there's a real, real, real beef with her as well. So maybe we'll try and get her on next week. Can we have a little bit of a song, sing song. Let's let's you know. Let's get the atmosphere going. Thing down at Griffin Park.
3: Uh, I thought we could we invite Russ Abbott on for a minute. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, well, going back not so long ago, when the when the crowds were half what they are now, um, this, there's this one or two big games you had a season where you did have ten thousand fans. The atmosphere was always worse at those. You, you, you We could never work out whether well, you, you doubled the you doubled the crowd or you you put another sort of third on your crowd, um, and the atmosphere felt a third weaker rather than a third stronger. I think you know. I I agree. We ought to we ought to have a whole show dedicated to this. But I I actually think it's quite a simple reason for it. I think when we were getting four and a half and five thousand um, attendances. So to those four and a half and five thousand fans, Brent Brentford is was everything. They, there was no reason for them to be there apart from that. You know, we were rocking. You know. Bumming around in the in the bottom tier um, and sort of just having mid-table seasons in the third tier. Um so it was just the fact of going to Brentford that they, they couldn't not do it. So it was it was their be-all and end all. And I still think there's sort of six thousand fans like that, which is their be-all and end all. And I think added to that, and I'm not knocking them because maybe that they'll it will grow into that, I think there's four or five thousand fans who who still care deeply for Brentford, but that it's not that manic passion, um, and I think it, it 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 has an effect. And I I wouldn't I wouldn't want Brentford to be without them now. I think it's great at Griffin Park. In however many years we've we've got left at Griffin Park, full. I don't want to I don't want to see chris package rat- rattling around empty empty seats and um seeing seeing kids playing head up and down the you know the empty seats you know uh, I, I I like seeing a full stadium and and I we, we do have to make an effort to, to increase the atmosphere we have to try but I think that to me explains why i think back in the day or you know maybe not back in the day maybe sort of five years ago um we were just surrounded by like-minded nutters and now there's you know there's there's a few i wouldn't wouldn't call them fair weather fans i don't mean that at all i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to insult any fan that's you know is is more recent and didn't used to come as often but you know if they could up up their up their anger and up their passion and start singing a bit more they probably enjoy it a bit more too.
2: They could, and, and, and the thing about it is, again, we're just going to sit down and the whole thing about this podcast is is points of discussion and ideas and trying to be positive. So, you know, in this discussion that we'll hopefully have next week, you know, maybe we can think of ideas. What we're going to do is to think of positive ideas of actually how we can increase the atmosphere and make the atmosphere better, bring it back to what it was or other ideas, look at maybe what other teams are doing that we like, what other teams are doing that we don't like.
3: Do you mean like a drum? <laughs>
2: Listen, I'm not uh, listen, I'm not I'm not I'm not discussing or I'm not going to confirm or deny anything at the moment now. I think we should discuss it all next week. Oh, oh, I think
3: we ought to not yeah. leave the drum out of it. Listen, I mean, I'm not, listen is not it.
2: You're getting too pre, you're getting too you're you're getting ahead of yourself now anyway. But listen, let's move on. Let's move on now. We just want to talk about a couple of little points before we think about the weekend beforehand. The England managed job. We have the most successful England manager around. So let's talk about him after this Pwang! Mad manager month. September seemed like a fairly kind of normal month. Then all of a sudden, bang, bang, towards the end of the month, it's gone mad manager month. First of all, we've got Sam Allardyce, who looks like, well, he is the, probably the most successful England manager ever. One game, one win hundred percent record. He was uh relieved of his duties, or he decided to leave due to a few indiscretions due to the newspaper, whether or not this was right or wrong, that's a point of discussion. However, a lot of us had to go. And then we're looking at Dean Smith. Apparently according to some guy called Mike or John or Peter I can't remember his name exactly. No, he's Dave. Dave, was oh, Dave, of course it was. He's he's Dean Smith's leaving. He's leaving us now. He's he's won got a few games and he's leaving and he's going to Aston Villa because that's what Aston Villa do. They just basically, they look at who's doing really well and they offer him loads of money and they give him about three weeks to be successful if they don't know second and then get someone else. So Dean Smith's off, apparently according to Dave. <laughs> so uh, that's a bit of a shame, you know. And then uh, Derby County, another club who uh, revered as being the way forward. And people said, yes, Derby County, you're the best. And look at you, you could sign all these players with lots of money and your football style's great and all, look at you, you've got that manager from Real Madrid. When everyone else wanted him and you got him and look at you, you're just gonna be in the Premier League very soon and now their new manager Pearson, who is apparently the person who made Leicester who they are, which I'm sure he did, they got him and said, Look, we got the new we got the new Leicester man there. The old Leicester man's gonna make us the new Leicester and he's suspended apparently for some sort of malarkey down at the training ground or in the director's office or something. So
3: uh I mean, this is mad manager month. Guys, I mean, what do you make of this, Laney? Um, mad seems to be the right word, actually, in this case. Um, Not clinically, probably, but Pearson's... Pearson's... um, He's a bit of an odd character, as far as I'm concerned, but he seems to have this big, big bust-up with the owner, which is never really a good thing, is it? I mean, not when you're sort of so so new into your job, you know. you alienating yourself with the bloke that's going to fund funds you know the, the the sort of revival of the club and push for push for the you know the yeah, the return to the, the promised land the Premier League you know you, you need to you need to have a good working relationship with with the owner um, Sam Allardyce, uh, uh, he's, he's not really been found guilty of anything actually at the moment apart from being a greedy bastard Um um, and I, I I I was so underwhelmed when he was named England manager that I I'm kind of a bit pleased that he's not England manager. It leaves us in chaos, which is you know again you don't again you don't really want that. But I don't think long term he was he was a solution. So maybe maybe sort of like getting it getting him out quickly, it might actually help us over the over a five year period. But um, uh, you know you just got to ask yourself what on earth you got the. You've got the job of your dreams, so you say, unless they're just sound bites. Um, and you're 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 considering taking ambassadorial roles, flying here, there, and everywhere, where you should be scouting opposition. But you're going to go off for a couple of days to talk to shady characters about bending rules, about getting round systems and stuff. You don't don't really want to be doing that. I mean, I know four hundred thousand quid, you know. It's a lot of money, but not when you're earning three and a half million a year. You know, you just put your, your all, your everything into into being a successful England manager, not, not trying to f- fleece and rinse sort of piggyback deals and try and wangle every single penny you can from anyone that wants to chuck it at you before you've even actually played a game of football or managed a game. So um, Sam's... Sam's reputation's in tatters. He looked a broken man um, on on the, on the TV today, but you know he, he's, he'll bounce back. I'm, I'm actually very interested in obviously how the, the Daily Telegraph story is going to pan out. They've obviously got their the biggest fish. Um, he's a big old chunky fish, um, and I I just want to see what other names emerge. Um, they, they say there's eight from the prem and two from the championship. So um, you know this, this one this one is probably they're probably going to drop the next little bombshell on Friday, I would have thought before the Saturday games thereafter making as much damage as they can obviously, and selling as many newspapers. but although I'm not sure they did anyone actually buy the Telegraph to read this? I'm not sure they actually sold any newspapers because of this, but it all seems to be sort of um, sort of deals that they sell the footage and the, and the, and the bits and bobs to other News outlet, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Telegraph's readership's gone up one little bit. I think I think they've uh, obviously sold and syndicated the story to uh, to Sky. Because they, they seem to be running it twenty four seven. Yeah,
2: but 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 it does up their. I mean, it does up their profile. So I mean, oh, they, yeah, well, if, you're, if you're if you're battling against the fact that the sun seems to always get these exclusive all of a sudden, like you know, the Telegraph putting themselves on the chessboard and saying, "Well, actually, we've actually we're actually in here now," and they're going to spin this over. Like I said to you, over a period of time, um, which is interesting. But the the, well, the, the the reason why also is that, and, and Lainey, you were talking about the fact that you know. Big Sam uh, has not done anything wrong, which I do understand that from your point of view. I mean we can argue that point from a from a from a bigger perspective as opposed to kind of, you know, ethics and morals and all that oh, kind no, of stuff. Yeah, no, I'm saying yeah. But but what normally happens with these scenarios, and I know because I talked to the newspapers quite a lot, inform um, you know, is uh big but basically what they newspapers have to do is that they have to be very, very vigilant when they release stories like this because there's been so many situations where they get sued they need to have their contacts tied down they need to have their stories tied down they get their lawyers involved and then when they're actually really read really, they might have had this these stories for ages and uh, i think probably sam actually popped up a bit late for them but they get their stories tied down really well before they put them out now apparently the, the rumors are going around that on top of this apparently i think they've probably got sam from beforehand when he was at Sunderland and then they actually tucked him up again when he was England manager and the story is that and again this is the story that's going around that allegedly possibly that there may have been rises being got for players so they got rises and then there was money being taken from the back for actually getting these rises Um, this is the story that's been going around again it's not um, I'm, I'm saying this because this is news that's come to myself from from newspaper sources, which I think they're out there at the moment now. Now, if that is the situation, because I'm thinking, you know, okay, but why is he why is he gone? But if all of a sudden his lawyers have got, well, actually, this is the story of you. Gotten you have you got any comment on that? And he sees that, then maybe that's the reason why he's thinking. Actually, to be quite honest with you, I ain't got a leg to stand on there. So, I think that this story is going to get bigger and bigger, and it's going to be very interesting to see who else is involved in this because, I mean, we've been talking about sort of how easy or difficult it is to, to play this game. Obviously, the more money you've got, the better and easier it is to get players. If you're a smaller club like us, it makes it harder for you to compete. And then especially if you actually have to, you know, sort of banging players and, and not players, but, um you know, agents and banging all these other people as well, it makes it even more difficult because how are you going to compete against that? So I suppose for a small team like us, Seeing the game cleaned up as much as possible acts in our benefit because we don't have the financial clout to be throwing money around. And also ethically, it's not in our interest. We don't do that kind of thing. So the fact is that if the game gets cleaned up and somebody like Fat Sam has showed that actually at the heart of the game, there still is a major problem and it needs to get sorted out, that kind of does us a favour as such. Do you not think so?
3: Oh, absolutely! And because you know, if you, you you know, you've got people, you've got organisations like the FSF um, that are kind of really, really campaigning hard for 20s Plenty, and it, and you know, there's there's you know, the fight goes on to get some football clubs, some Premiership football clubs, to agree to ticket reductions, and then you've got maybe the same clubs that are, are you know are embroiled in a, a less than squeaky clean transfer system. Um so you know the, the money that money that if they clean up the system maybe there's there's more money to to be used in helping fans you know afford to go to football matches so it's it's out of the same pot you know they, they get paid they get paid x x billion by by sky um you know if 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 transfer fees are are, are, are if that system is 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 less corrupt. Um, you know, it, it's gonna. It's, it's hopefully it means the players cost slightly less, and they may maybe like um, as I said, you know, they can reduce the prices of the tickets.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's. I think it's. Uh, it's. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what names come out next to see whether this is something that's sort of endemic in. I will call it English um, or British football. Um, bearing in mind, you know how you know how how sort of few British coaches there are. Um, coaching at the at the highest level, so that that'll be relatively interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I mean the cl- cleaning up the games definitely not in 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 the interest of a club like us. Um, but I but really the whole thing at leaves just a pretty unpleasant um, taste in my mouth. Mainly, I mean I mean I you know I hear I mean I'm sure if Allardyce did did what he did or said what he said, and he wasn't he wasn't the England manager's job. He probably you know as long as his club wasn't losing loads of games because actually when it comes down to it. You know, I'm sure if Pearson was winning games, but he probably wouldn't be in quite as much trouble as he is now. Um, but but yeah, so going back that I think I, I think the FA, I just sort of think they kind of got what they deserved with from Sam in some respects. Um, he's he's got a little bit of you know previous in areas, um, you know, and uh, you know, I I, I he, he, he there's something that I just kind of think I'm not I'm not even that surprised by at all. I think I think the, the I think the main interesting thing is that it's now being reported he's got a payoff for going, which I guess the story pointed that way anyway, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and, um and actually he's done all right out of um sixty seven days of work.
2: Yeah, it's not bad and, and and just to say breaking news. I mean if this is live Oh breaking news, news is coming in actually. Um, as they call it football for sale allegations and the latest names that have been floated around by um by, by proper sources as well. We're not like we're not talking about Dave from, from, from Peterborough, <laughs> like you know, anything like that. But we're talking about like Mark Hughes from the, the who's who's not Mark Hughes, who's the news editor of the Daily Telegraph, and he said our latest football for sale allegations concern Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, a QPR, Tommy Wright of Barnsley, and Leeds United Massimo Cellino. So uh, we we're actually going down championship level, mate, we we're going down championship. So, uh, so, you know,
0: again, <laughs> this is, this, this was just I think, a tweet I think, that's I been think- I think the third of those three names is hardly a surprise. <laughs> <place. laughs>
3: it, it, it seems to me as well...
0: I, I think I'd, I'd be tempted to make that accusation without any evidence.
3: <laughs> it looks like they're going to get the championship out of the way tomorrow then, and then Friday's going to be reserved for the premiership names, unless they drag it out for another week.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? QPR are probably rubbing their hands together in some respects, because um, because, you know... <laughs> Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's underperforming, and um, they've now got, they've now potentially, we'll see what's actually in the, you know, in the story, got, um, got a reason to get rid of him. Yeah,
2: i I'm, I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm actually, um, I'm gutted actually about that because obviously I was delighted that QPR who were losing one nil yesterday, came back to draw one all because I need, we need Hasselbaink to be in okay. command in charge when we play him in a month's time. And I thought, that's yeah. probably saved his job, you know, as long as he sort of gets a decent result on Saturday, international period, he'll be in by the end of the month. But this actually has made me feel very sad indeed.
0: Um, I guess I guess the irony would be, to some extent, if Allardyce got the job of any of, of, any of the managers that um, have a potential fallout from this, yeah, it was like, well, send and him. Then down. he comes in and replaces them.
2: Send him down to QPR, but just quickly, Matt, just just Pearson because we just sort of glossed over the Pearson, not a little bit, uh, but the Pearson scenario, and just Derby County because, like I said to you. Derby County were always seen to be as, as the team. You know, when we came yep. up, they were the team that just missed off on the playoffs. They had the money, they had the glamour, they had the power. They could pull any player they wanted to. They could pull any manager they wanted to. You know, they pull that guy from. You know, they pull the, the, the old Clement from Real Madrid. They they did, every, they did everything that they wanted to, and any time they were always close. And even when we beat them in the playoffs, they just they faltered at the back end because the McLaren fluffed it up for them a little bit. But it's almost like they were that team that you were.
0: Slightly in uh, awe of, would not they? Um, but it's... I, to be honest, I've been laughing at them for quite some time, as you know. Um, uh, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, in awe of, because they, that they seem to have had the funds. They don't seem to have used the funds wisely. Somehow, they got a manager in last year who didn't want to play any of the players they signed in the summer and spent a fortune on, or you know, their potential highest wage earner as well. Um, it just there's something not right at Derby, um, and. I'm not sure it's the succession of managers. Although I, Pearson, I don't want to defend him in any way or form. But, yeah,
3: but what they do as well is though they don't they don't give their managers that long, do they? they? They they seem to they seem to make quite quite educated choices overall, I might say, in their managers. You can see why they make their, you can see why they chose in their managers. It's not like they just plucked anyone out, of but. They don't really give them a lot of time to to do it. You know, these they need like they need a few years, and that, they haven't really recovered from losing to QPR in the playoffs. That you know, so it was just assumed that because they were so good that year and but they were almost like robbed um, of of their, their their place in the Premier League, that it was going to be just a matter of time before they 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 sort of rose again. In the same way, Sheffield United when they went down to the third tier, it was just assumed that it was only a matter of time before they had bounced back. It just it just doesn't happen. If, if you don't, if you don't deserve it, you don't, you don't get it. And, um, they just because they've got a, you know, a, a fancy new stadium and an amazing training facilities. They, they, there's no divine right.
0: I think, I think what I would say is that another argument with Derby is that they're one of these clubs that just, you know, they, they, they whether there's any sort of structure, there that that, that runs through the club I don't know it was every time a new manager comes in and you know remember you know we've seen you know McLaren was there Clement is that do these managers come in and they get a complete sweep of the whole club and they change everything at the club and then the club takes time to react and you know and then and then you've got you know I can't imagine that Clement and Pearson are particularly similar individuals when it comes to managing they're probably. I would guess polar opposites. Yeah, polar. I, I, I might be wrong, but I would guess they are, um, and they and they both just come in and change the whole thing, and then everyone expects it all to, you know, be fixed within weeks. Um, and you know, I don't, I, 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 don't think it works that way.
2: And, and just one last point, lads. I mean, Dean Smith's obviously leaving because he's off to Aston Villa, um, probably tomorrow, according to Dave from Peterborough. I just want to know um, what are you going to get him as a leaving prison?
3: Silence. Um, I'll get him um, uh, Liberal Nick's phone number.
0: (laughs) Matt. Oh, You've that at me. Um, I'm going to get him. Where's he going? He's going to Aston Villa. Going to Aston Villa. What can you take to Aston Villa with him? Um, (sighs) Three points, a couple of points. We'll lend him a couple of points. Yeah, lend him some points and a centre-back. <laughs> okay, a Lindemans
2: said it back. I mean, I'll, 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 I might get him a, a voucher for that that pub that we went to, the Thai restaurant. Um, maybe you know he can go there and, and a couple of couple of couple of ales, so he could probably pop there before the game, speak to the locals before he uh, before he goes for his first match, maybe. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, um, Barton's, the Barton's Arms, wasn't it? There, the Barton's Arms on the roundabout, lovely pub on a roundabout.
3: All good. The last last word on Derby before we move on but Albion are above them in the table it's, it's, quite, it's quite mad isn't it
2: it's great but anyway, like local
3: local rivals above them in the table that's
2: right local rivals but look as we talk about local rivals we're going to be talking about Wigan who are not local at all but they're coming down to Griffin Park at the weekend so let's talk to my man Warbo from Vital Wigan or Lactic Speak as they called he's going to tell us all about the Wigan team who are coming down at the weekend. So, rearing to go after Tuesday, it's Saturday, and we've got Wigan coming down to Griffin Park for the first time in two years. They weren't there last year because they were in the championship. But they just spent a little bit of time there, had a bit of a laugh down in the championship for a bit, won a trophy, came back up again. And now they're back at Griffin Park. I know a lot of the Wigan fans out there that we know, they had an absolutely fantastic time, even though they got relegated at Griffin Park. They said, it's so brilliant. But they've actually booked their trains. The first game, apparently, that they booked, to come up back to Griffin Park so that they can be with us and celebrate whatever they're going to celebrate. So, instead of me talking to you about Wigan, I thought we'll speak to Warbo from Lactics League, which is actually the Wigan blog, um, Vital Lactics. It's like a Wigan, proper Wigan blog. Really, really good little blog. You should check it out as well. And he's going to tell us what's going on. Warbo, how
1: are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. Especially uh, after a midweek win against the Wolves.
2: That's right. That was a little bit unexpected as well, wasn't it?
1: Um, it was a little bit, yeah. It's first win in seven, so it, it came at, It came at a good time, shall we say.
2: <laughs> That's right. I mean, I'd mean, I have to say
1: that you, you, you've you had a bit of a
2: rough ride back in the Championship. You lost to Preston and Norwich and Wednesday and Keepion, Forest oh, carry on. and on. Bristol City. And as like I said, the only wins that you've had are Blackburn, um, who aren't doing particularly well at the moment now, and you're sort of battling with them at the bottom there as well, and Wolves, which is, like I said, it's yeah. a bit of a surprise. I mean, we went up there on Saturday, and they, they beat us 3-1, you know, and they're right. not, not a bad side, so that was a bit of a result. I mean, why do you think this is that you've had
1: such a rough ride? Uh, I, th- I think it's... We're, we're quite an team up until the final third, which is a bit a bit of a shock, really, because, um, as you know, Will Griggs on fire, and he's being heavily assisted by Yannick Wilshert, Um so, Will Griggs, he's got six goals this season. So, you know, he's not. He, we're not slouching. But we're just, I don't know, it's the final third. We're just lacking a bit of quality in the final third. The ball's through to Griggs is, is what's missing. Um, you'll probably see on Saturday, I mean, we're racking up somewhere between 10 and 15 attempts per game and hitting the target just a couple of times and that's it, you know. So, that, that's where our problems lie at the moment. I mean, is it
2: one of those scenarios, and we've heard it many times, where the manager goes, "Someone's going to get a good pasting from us
1: one day." Like, you know,
2: is it one of those scenarios? or Do you think it's still not quite as uh, as, as emphatic
1: as that? No, no. Well, you see, the thing is, we've lost all those games, but we've only lost by the old goal. We've never lost by more than one goal this season. So, what Caldwell's saying is that we're, we're close to going on a winning run. <laughs> Because we we went like I think we did four games, four defeats on the bounce, and it was so clear. it was so so heartbreaking because there were stu- stupid little mistakes that were costing us goals, you know, goalkeeping mm-hmm. error, collapsing defence, but we were missing out chances at the other end as well, and it, it was sort of heartbreaking. We played Norwich away, lost two one, and we gifted them two goals in the first seven minutes, and by gifted, we get gi- you know there were. Proper gifts. And we missed a couple of chances ourselves before we got back in the game. Yeah. And, um, you know, we could have, we could have, should have had a penalty as well. Mm. But that's usually the, the tale of anybody's season, isn't it? Could have, should have.
2: That's right. I mean, we've got quite a lot of could have, should have ourselves. But, I mean, you mentioned Will Grigg. I mean, as you say, he's on fire. He's, he was scoring goals for fun last season. Now, as you probably don't know, there's like a bit of an internal battle going within. him beside There's some folks saying that he isn't good enough for the championship Whereas I always thought that actually he wasn't given a chance when he was with us and he was outed to franchise FC, then he went off to you and he proved himself down there. But they thought that he still would not cut the mark when he came up to the championships. He's now scored six goals for you, um, which is one less than our Hogan. I mean, how is he looking?
1: He's looking just like he did last season. He, he started, Last season, he started off slow, but he had a bit of an injury. And then he found his feet with his new team there and there was an all rounder back and he was fantastic. And I think it's a case of the teammates getting to know him as well, getting to know his runs and, and that. Uh this season, just the same. He's um the same as what he was finishing last season. He's getting on the end of chances. Um, you know, he's 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 putting the goals in. he's a goal scorer. He's a goal scorer. He's most effective in the box. You know, in the six yard box. He puts stuff in the we just signed Adam Lafondra. Uh, yeah. And he, he's a very similar player to Adam LaFondra, very similar. Okay. Um, and obviously LaFondra's played in the Premier League, and he? he's got you know he had a good season up at the top table. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I like Greg. I rate him highly, like, um, and I, I, I just hope come January we can keep holding because if we're still struggling near the bottom and he, he gets another seven goals under his belt between now and Christmas, I mean he's fourteen goals. There. Somebody will mm-hmm. definitely come sniffing around him mm-hmm. without a doubt. That's that's yeah. our, our worry, and then worry yeah. we go from there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean we've got a similar
2: problem with Scott Hogan as well. You know, he's he scored one goal more than Brig he scored seven goals and obviously when goal scorers are scoring in the championship, people start to look towards them and then you have to worry about um, them being poached in in yeah. the window, which is a bit it's a bit of an issue, but you know, our view is that, you know, at the end of the day we can't do anything about it. We just need to enjoy them while they're playing for the team,
1: you know. Yes, yeah. so oh, yeah. uh, oh, he's yeah. Scott Scott Hogan from the stack of the woods, not he? Started off with uh, right. with Rochdale, did not he? That's, right, That's where he got him from. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Did yeah. he get a bit of an injury? Sorry for going off track line, but I think yeah, he did but no, no,
2: no, he did. Yeah, Scott Hogan. We got him for seven hundred fifty thousand pounds two seasons ago. We bought him as our main striker when we got really, uh, promoted from the Championship, like from, from Division One, like you. So we'd come up. And the season we came up, we bought him for £750,000 from Rochdale. He was meant to be our number one striker. We bought Andre Gray from Luton for £500,000. And he was meant to be the striker that came off the bench and was his understudy. He got injured in his first game for Brentford. And so he was out. um, And so Andre Gray had to step in. And Andre Gray, as he stepped in, he learned very quickly. And as you see, he's gone from strength to strength. And Hogan was actually out for two years. And he only only came back uh, in April last year, scored seven goals in less than 180 minutes of football last season, and he's scoring goals again now. So he's um, apparently he's the highest goal scorer, I don't know if it's in the league, this calendar year. Right, right. Yes. So as as, as they sing, which I think is quite ironic, Hogan's on fire, which they actually, (laughs) a a player who actually we got rid of, but then we have to get the striker that's coming sort of in his place to sing a song for him. But anyway, we'll go on about that. But look, I want to talk about Uwe Rosler quickly because you guys, I remember when we first came up to the league and or we were coming up to the league and then Uwe Rosler jumped ship from our camp to your camp and uh-huh. then he took over from you and, and you guys were looking so good when Rosler took over. He had all that nonsense of Foreshaw when he tried to poach Foreshaw and Foreshaw jumping ship and then saying he was delighted to get the opportunity to go to a bigger team.
1: <laughs> but since then... Um,
2: it's all got to be picked up for you. I mean, I'm, I'm actually interested in the, Where has it gone wrong? Because you were like, you're right up there. You had the, you, got, you probably still got parachute money you know I'm saying you have probably got loads of money coming in, and uh, you've got all this dough. But
1: where has it gone wrong? Well, yeah. I mean, this is our last season of the parachute. money. we've got 12 million, so that's it. Uh, but we're um, we're using it wisely because we're, we're going to try and make it last. You know, we're we'll budgeting. Wisely, because we've got some good people in charge of the club on the finances, but where did it go wrong with Roswa? I don't. know, I think he's a bit of a schizophrenic. To be honest, I mean, one moment he's he's, he's brilliant and he's motivating the players. The next minute, the to death of him, you know, I just we, we couldn't weigh him up. And I know he had the reputation of being Mr. Tinkerman down, down at Brentford. He was he turned exactly into that up here. His, his team selections was just he left everybody scratching their heads. We yeah. signed a Spanish striker, Oriol Riera. Took him a couple of games to settle in, and then he started playing really well. He scored, and the week after he scored, he dropped him. He was on yeah. the bench, and he never played again. And then he shipped him out on home. Like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Yeah. But um, I mean, not only Rosler, but you, it just
2: all seemed to fall apart everywhere. You know, you're talking about he brought oh, him in, and he went, then he got another manager in, and you know, and, races, yeah. and all this nonsense that was going on, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. I... It went from bad to worse and it went toxic, to be honest. I mean, the fans were falling out amongst themselves. I mean, I like to think we'll get the ending managers in charge. But uh, when Mark McKay came in, I, mean, I I didn't really look too deeply into what had gone on uh, because a lot of things get blown up in, in the press. You know, what what they just get exaggerated. So he started to, to get to the truth. But he, whatever he'd done, he'd done something, and I didn't think he was the appropriate manager for Wigan Athletic. I think. But we signed him. And um, regardless of what he'd done off the field, on the field, we were absolutely shocking. He was one of the worst managers we've ever had football-wise. We played dreadful football, one-dimensional, and, and it was it was absolutely shit. It really was. It converted James McLean from a flying winger into a centre-forward. McLean actually finished the season with leading goal-scored for us, but. He- he ate six three goals in a full season. I mean, we're not at the end of September yet, and Griggs got that many. I mean, that's no. how bad it was. You know, mm. it was shocking. Mm. But it was, uh, I think once we got to February, there was only one way we were going. But I'll be honest with you, it's the best thing that could have happened. Because he gave the club a breath of fresh air. The, Dave Whelan stepped down from being a chairman. He still owns it, but he stepped down, so he's, he's, he's out the, out the uh, media spotlight. His grandson came in at 20, 24, People was laughing about it, saying, he's, you know, but wow, the ideas that guy's have are just brilliant. It's so vibrant. Everything's fresh and new. And then, of course, we, we appoint a... He sacks Marky McKay, one of the first jobs he does, and uh, promotes Gary Carwell. He was 33 up to, up to manager. So we've got 24-year-old chairman and a 33 old manager. Mm. Uh, and, and last season, that youthfulness, that... I suppose you could, in a way, say naivety. It was, it was just so refreshing. It was so refreshing to get away from, from, from the oppressiveness of, of. We had all in coil, which was. All, I, I like Rosalind, if I'm being honest. It was very quirky, and you never knew where you were with him. It's just, it turned a bit nasty towards the end. But oh, up until then, I did like him. Um, so, so he was like a, a little bit of a chink of light in, in, in that darkness. And then we got Marky McKay, and he was depressing again. But these two, they they were just fantastic. They were brilliant. Last season, we we rode the crest of a wave. Even at the start, when we were winning, um, we were finding our feet in League 1, we were taking 2,000 people away from home to away games. Just a brilliant thought. Everybody got on board with it.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. That's good. But, I mean, obviously, you talk about taking 3,000. I mean, I don't think you're taking 3,000 out of Griffin bottles. We won't give you 3,000 tickets, but... Park. I could I could I could imagine you're probably taking about six or seven hundred down to Griffin Park on Saturday. Now, the good thing about Griffin Park last season we had a bit of an iffy season, but we still finished ninth, which was you know good for us. A lot of people would be you know, be happy about that. It's quite funny. Some people are you know, probably some people ask and said you, Oh, you had a bit of a bad season last season. We think uh oh, second season in the championships we finished ninth actually, we're quite happy yeah. with that. The question yeah, I'll yeah. say to you is that Griffin Park has actually looked like it's returning to the fortress it used to be, sort of, you know, two, three years ago. Um, we blew Reading out of the water last night, as you know, it's 4 1. We blew Preston away a couple of weeks ago, 5 0 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as fans, we know that means nothing. But I'm just wondering will Wigan make it difficult for the Bees when they come
1: down to Griffin Park? Well, uh, I can tell you now what we'll play. We'll, we'll try and play possession football. If you look at the stats, I mean, last night we had 65% possession. We played uh, away at Preston on, on Friday night with 64% of the, pass, of the possession, over 500 passes in both games. Passing accuracy quite high. It will be quite high because we do a lot of short passing, um, and that's what we'll do. We'll try and start at the start of the game, keep the ball, frustrate, and then. Um, you know, just build slowly, and, that, and that's how we're playing. We're playing it out from the back. So, um, I've not seen Brentford this season, but I, I think you scoring goals. and uh, uh, you know, So, I, are you an i-tempo team? Do you play i-tempo? I mean we, we, I
2: mean, we play the high-pressing game as well. And interestingly, we, interestingly, again, because obviously you talk about Rugo Rosler, he's the person that actually brought the passing game into Brentford, got us from playing sort of almost like hoofball football to sort of passing football, and that's been the ethos. Ever since our uh, Matthew Bennett took over, he wanted us to play proper football, good football. So we try and play passing football. We play good, you know, a really good quality style of football is what is what we play. Um, and we, again, some of the games, you know, and I think we had seventy-eight percent possession or something ridiculous, you know, and they beat us one 0 So we we know these problems. We had a lot of those problems, particularly with Uwe Rosler as well, where we play and we pass the ball a lot, but we wouldn't necessarily have that incisiveness. I think that now we would say that we've probably got a little bit of the balance where we play really good passing football, but also we can actually get the ball up there to and, you know, get it to the player and bang in the back of the net. So we've seen this quite a lot in the, in the past few games. We're hoping that we keep keep it up. But if any of you or your fans just have a look at the video, which is on the Brentford YouTube site for the Wigan game, for the Reading game yesterday as well. Just have a look at that, have a look at the goals and have a look at the passing around that does that. Because I've just watched that today. I saw the game yesterday and then I watched it again today and I thought, God, blimey, that's actually quite good. Um, they're yeah. playing some, actually, some really, really good football. So if you're playing football and we're playing football, it could be a, a nice little
1: battle on Saturday. Yeah, well, we, we'd all sort of... Having said that, we scored two <laughs> scored two goals last night, um, both quite direct. Uh, the first one was from actually from a uh, Wolves corner. We broke on them um broke up the wing three passes and, and it was centered and lafonda got on the end of it in the 6 yard box and the second one was just a big oof from uh which we never do but it was a big oof in the 89th minute from the edge of our box it bounced once grill got it uh Grigg got in behind the defender that bat is it bath yeah got in ah. behind him yeah uh, outpaced him no pace, so he must be really slow Two behind the keeper, and uh, and that was it. So, two very untypical Wigan Athletic goals last night. Yeah. So uh, yes. that's yes. what we want, though. We, we, yeah, we want we want to we want to keep it untypical, don't we? We don't want to get sussed so out by the opposition. That's the thing. That's the good thing about football: be, being a, a surprise, bringing a surprise or two.
2: That's right. So, hopefully, there'll be a few surprises on Saturday. Hopefully, the surprises will be
1: <laughs> for you guys—the <laughs> ball in the back of your net. So us uh, a score but uh right. I mean my head is telling me that for the because of your uh, you know, your superb own form at the moment, that you're probably gonna win it three one. But uh being a true Latic I can't predict that scoreline. So I'm gonna go for a diplomatic one one.
2: Not bad actually. I think after the run that we've had we'd probably be happy to actually go into the international break still unbeaten for myself. Um, I think that you know we've done a four ones and, a five, and our final five nils and stuff like that, and I'm just paying it back a bit. I think we'll beat you guys, and I think it'll just be a a tasty little one goal in each half, two nil to the mighty bees.
1: Oh right, well we'll see. You'll be the first time that's put that's done to by more than one goal if you do, so uh, that's probably something to go for.
2: Well, that's something to aim for. Listen, Warbo, listen, great chatting to you, mate. And, uh, yeah. um, well, Saturday, you know, we'll be supposed sitting there with our fingers crossed, hoping that our teams do what they have to do, and we'll probably touch base after the game and have a little yep. bit of a uh,
1: debrief. OK, Billy. Cheers for so that. Nice. nice one, mate.
2: So Wigan are coming down on Saturday. And listening to Warbo there, in principle, if we do what we do very professionally and do it right, we should have a result on Saturday because it's Fortress Griffin Park and we also now have to score goals and, and it makes a really big difference because, uh, you know, Wigan at best are going to come down and try and get a point but, you know, maybe they might play their game and try and go for three points and that will do us a lot of favours. Guys, I mean, Wigan are coming down on Saturday. Are you confident that we're going to carry on, or do you think that we might do the usual stumble that we sometimes do, where we get a great result and then afterwards we go, "Oh no, we fluffed it again."
3: Uh, we are going to lose at some stage at home, um, without being a killjoy. Um, so I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be this weekend um normally you uh you normally you, you see the wheel starting to come off and you you, you you can kind of kind of predict it but um if if we play anywhere anywhere like we did against Preston and um, Reading um we we, we should win I, you know I, whether we're going to get fours and fives again um, I don't know. He might get six or sevens, but no, I, I don't want to. I don't really want to take it for granted. I think I think that's that's the one thing I'm going to try not to do as well this year is just kind of like assume um, we we should win. Um, I, I think I think we probably will. Um, I, I just can't, I just can't see us. I can't see that supply line fading unless they really try and go negative on us. And that's even if, if they go, if they really try and park the bus, at some stage we're going to break them down. Um, so I'm I, I'm confident for Saturday. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I I, I I feel much the same. I think I think they will probably come and they may even be possibly the most negative team we've had. I mean, I don't, you know, I haven't seen them play yet this season, but but it says to me they'll be up with a point. So and I think. If you look, if you look at the way Wolves play, if you get men behind the ball, you can you can you know stop us out a little bit. But we're strong enough with the set pieces so far this season that um, I, I think we can get goals. Um, and I don't think this is the game we're going to lose either. I think actually it's more fascinating um, with the selection dilemmas we're going to have. Um, do you put Woods back in the team, for example? Do you give Josh Clark a second game? Does Kai Kai come in? Um, there's all sorts of interesting um, things going on there. Does Barbe play at left back instead of Bieland? You would think so. Um, the, so, so I think it. Yeah, I think I think actually just concentrate on ourselves on um, on Saturday, and I think I think we'll come out of it all right.
3: Are you saying there could be another four or five changes on Saturday?
0: Well, I don't. I don't see Bieland starting at left back. I think I think it's a brave. It'd be brave to leave Woods on the bench, but but maybe you should be rewarding the players that did play. But then can Maka and Yonaris go another ninety minutes on Saturday? Um, you know, um, yeah. So there's all sorts of yeah. I, I I think you'd probably look at Friday and and see and see how the players were were going in training.
2: And did you what school? Did you give a score prediction, Matt?
0: No, I'm about to. It's two nil bees.
3: Two I nil didn't give one either. Um, I'm going to go three one bees. Okay,
2: interesting. And for myself as well, I think that you know it's not going to be like as I said to Warbo earlier. It's not like as before. I think the two nil to the bees is going to keep it nice and sink goal in each half. But I think we're going to keep it professional, and I'm I'm so impressed with the way that we're defending at the moment now, and also we've got a bit of luck on our side. I know luck runs out after a while, but I just think that you know what we're doing. You know, we just balls are lobbed into the middle. We're just heading it away, and I'm just really confident that we can actually keep the ball out, keep them out, and also it'll be very interesting to see uh, Will Grigg um, coming down right. against his old player, Dean, you know, Harley Dean, who obviously he was in the same team as him. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not Harley has him, inverted commas, in his pocket.
0: Bill, I'm very disappointed you're not backing Will Grigg to get at least one goal. No. I'm, I'm, I'm astounded by that. No, I, I have, I, show, there's no faith, Bill, no faith.
2: I'll have to admit, tomorrow I have to be a, a realist. I'm going to back the team that really matters, you know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> unless,
3: unless he receives a bung.
2: Well, of course, actually, you know, me and Sam Allardyce, like, you know, together, we were discussing, you know, the best ways of extracting money out of a, a Will grid deal. And I, I'm doing very well so far, to be honest with you. <laughs> anyway, guys, listen, great chatting to you. Good little chit chat in our virtual pubs here. Um, my red wine's I've done, a, I've done a, quite a good, a good load of that tonight, actually. I'll be back on the beers next week, no doubt, as we find ourselves in a lovely West London, or probably even a central London boozer somewhere. We will tell you exactly where that is, and hopefully the lovely Ali Malally will be with us. We'll be whining on about the fact that the atmosphere needs to be brilliant, and if they don't sort that new stadium out with a proper atmosphere, we'll be there with our pitchforks outside, you know, demonstrating uh, like, they, like they do. Anyway, but this is the Besotted Pride of West London uh, podcast, I would like to say, if you get TuneIn Radio on your phone, a lot of people do it, it's a massive app, TuneIn Radio, we're actually on TuneIn Radio as well, so check us out on TuneIn Radio, so that's really great as well, and also check us out on Audio Boom. that's where you get us loads, and iTunes, and actually please just give us a little thumbs up, go to iTunes and say, we love Asota, they're really brilliant, and their podcast is the best one in the world, and apparently we get a million points and about a thousand pounds in the post. did not quite work like that and, and question Dave are you saying a question have you, have you got a question you had a question for us
3: I thought you were going to I thought you yeah. going to have a
2: question no 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 oh. no, 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 no. We'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about look, no questions now I will question you later about those actually but um, as I was saying in 1992 catch us on Saturday we've got Wigan coming down and hopefully Wigan we will do the business from them. but before we say that all we're going to say is Crabby on, you <laughs> <laughs>